Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Hey Tribe, Matt and I have a little bit of a celebration to share with you. We are really proud to announce that we have now had over 20,000 downloads of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. What? (laughs) 20,000? I know. And that's just downloads. That doesn't count the streaming as well. So I'm very happy with those numbers. I am just excited to share that. And I hope that Mm -hmm. everyone is is learning from the, the podcast. I think we're getting some great feedback. And I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I know. See, when I hear something like that, that immediately makes me think of what would 20,000 people in one area look like. And so I'm starting to think of like, you know, stadiums or something like that. And that, I mean, just whenever we're, we're just kind of, the, the reality is that we're just kind of sitting here talking to each other. And then it goes out to all these people and just kind of blows me away to think that so many people are listening to this. And so, like you said, hopefully yeah. this has been something that's useful. Yeah, we're just having fun. We're just talking. That's what we do. And we're excited right. about episode seven. So those numbers were just after the release of episode six. So we hope to just continue to grow the Google Teacher Tribe and the community that we have here. So Matt, yes. what are we talking about in today's episode? Oh, I don't know. You know, I think maybe we could talk about, <laughs> no, we actually do have a, a, uh, a plan for this episode. Yeah, let's just wing it. Let's just do that. Now, we're today we're going to talk about the new video options that you have within G Suite, specifically within Google Slides. And we're going to talk about how those could be used in the classroom. And then we'll even take it a little further and just talk about creating video in general within Google. And so we've got that. We've got our news and updates. We've got a little bit of audience feedback and a question from one of our listeners. And of course, we've got some great blog posts and articles that we can share with you. So let's get to it. The Google News and Updates section of today's episode is pretty interesting, Matt. I think we we always have something new to share when it comes to Google. And I came across something very interesting a few days ago called AI Duet. And I've linked to it in the show notes. And AI Duet is an artificial intelligence experiment from Google 
that allows you to play the piano online. And what it does is it responds to whatever you play. So using artificial intelligence, you play whatever notes you want to play on this web-based keyboard here. And the computer suggests uh, some complementary notes to allow you to compose a song. So it's pretty fun. You just go to the site, you click on play, and then you start trying to play a song and your little notes go in and then AI comes back. So it, it's, it's really pretty interesting. Artificial intelligence, I think, has just come so far and I'm super excited to see where that's going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. I don't know if you folks realize how much Casey and I say the word super excited. We're really trying to break ourselves of it. So, no, I just pulled this, this AI duet up too. And this is pretty neat. This is something that I hadn't seen before. And just... Yeah, the, the whole AI thing is is totally blowing me away, too. I mean, the fact that we can talk to our phones and you know, I've got this little Google Home thing sitting on the, the corner of my desk that I talk to. I'll be st- standing here or sitting here in my office and just talking to my Google Home. And, you know, you would have thought years ago that this would be something crazy, but it, it's actually a pretty regular thing now. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that one that one up. So um, so I'm going to switch over to a tip that that I saw, this is something that I, I had kind of wondered about before, but then I saw this blog post from Jeremy Badner, who is from Michigan, who's also a, a graduate of the same Google Teacher Academy class as Casey and I. And he talks about how you can password protect a Google form. Uh, now, I know in the last episode, we talked about password protecting um like Microsoft Word documents and being able to access those through Drive. So this is kind of along the in the same vein, I suppose. So basically what you can do with this Google Form is if you create a Google Form and you want it to be password protected, the very first question or the very first uh, text field that you put in there is your password. And so you give the you basically you give it you you give this text field And then you create a section, which is almost like creating a second page of the Google form. And then you use data validation to make sure that the person types in the right password before they move on to the rest of the Google form. So this is just one of those little quick hacks that you can use on Google forms to add this function to it that that doesn't really exist officially. So if you're interested in that, or if that was, as Casey mentioned earlier, clear as mud, and you didn't can't totally picture it from my explanation, then of course we have a link to you uh, that you can use and a YouTube video that you can watch that are all available on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash seven. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jeremy. We love sharing what other people are doing in their classrooms and the ways that this can help other teachers. I have one other quick tip that I wanted to share. If you are not currently subscribed to the G Suite show on YouTube, I highly recommend it. This is put on by Google and they just share updates, tips and tricks. A lot of times these are even geared towards teachers. They did an entire episode just about Google Classroom not that long ago. So be sure that you subscribe on YouTube. The link again is in the show notes. Just highly recommend this to continue your learning and learning more about G Suite. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. 
the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So I don't know about you, Casey, but for me in my own classroom, it always seems to be that whenever I bring up video or whenever I do anything with video, it seems like kids are instantly always drawn in. And video is just one of those those cool things that has gotten easier and easier over time. And just recently, we've gotten some new video options when it comes to using Google Slides. And so these were, were released not too long ago. We mentioned them in a in an earlier episode, but I know we wanted to kind of just pull these out and talk about a couple of the a couple of these big changes. So let's dive right into them. So I'll I'll give you a couple of them and Casey can give you a couple of them. And the the very first one, this was one that that I was probably the most excited about when it comes to these new video options in Google Slides is that now we can take videos from that are saved within our Google Drive and embed those right into a Google Slide presentation, which is huge because before, the only way to get videos into our slides was to pull them from YouTube. And that was nice if there were some videos out there on YouTube that fit exactly what we needed. But a lot of times, especially if we create our own videos, and if YouTube happens to be blocked in our school district, then it's it's just not not feasible. And so if we put those videos on our Google Drive now and we're able to pull those in, it means that we don't have to worry about sticking them on YouTube. We don't have to worry about sharing settings or, you know, are they public on the web or whatever. We can just pull those in and stick them right into our slides. So for teachers that are creating slide presentations to show students or for kids who are creating slide presentations in whatever way, shape, or form, I think this one is a really, really big one. So that's one, is inserting Google Drive videos into Google Slides. And all you have to do there is just click on Insert Video, and then there will be a tab for Drive. And so the second one that I was going to share is that now we have the ability to choose when to start and end a video. So before we used to just be able to throw the whole video up there. And if you wanted to skip forward to a certain part of that video, then all we would do is, you know, we would hit play on the video and you would have to use your mouse and kind of move it over. But now what's nice is you can insert that video into your slide And then do a right click or a two finger tap on a Chromebook. And now you've got a button that says video options. And within that video options, you can choose exactly what time you want the video to start and exactly what time you want it to end. So if you've got like a 30 minute video and there's only a 30 second video clip that you want to show students, this is one of those times where you can specify, okay, it starts here, it ends here, and then boom, we're done. So I could see that being really useful for teachers who want to kind of curate a whole bunch of little video clips that they want to show students. But also even with students, if they're doing a a presentation, they want to show a short video clip, this is an easy way for them to be able to pull those out. So those are two of the ones that I'm excited about. So I can see I can see lots of uses for all of that stuff, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I actually 
used these just last week in a keynote that I presented. And last week, yeah, I was really excited. You know, there were there were features that allowed me to use Google Slides instead of Keynote. I usually do my keynote presentations in the actual Keynote application on my Mac for various reasons. And one of those is because of video. If I rely on YouTube, you never know what's going to happen. I could lose internet connection. It could be buffering. I've got the ads to worry about. So when you're doing a keynote presentation, that, that really just doesn't come off very professional. But because I was able to store some videos locally on my Google Drive and then insert those into it, that really saved me and allowed me to go back to using Google Slides, which I love. Slides is probably my favorite application of the entire G Suite. And I was able to use the new video option. So Matt just explained, once you insert that video, whether it's from YouTube or it's from Google Drive, when you right click or control click, you get video options. And so from there, you can choose the start and end time, which I loved. I use that. In fact, there's a clip that I love to use from YouTube, but it's right in the middle of the video. So I don't want to show the entire video. In fact, there's some things that I really don't want to address every time. So, you know, when I'm playing in Google Slides before, I would just sort of, you know, scoot it along myself. And I don't like having to stop and and do that during a presentation. So it was really great that I could choose the start and end time and just do the clip instead of having to go do a tube chop or something like that. And then there's also two great little checkboxes down below where we can choose to autoplay when presenting or mute the audio. And I actually wasn't sure when I was going to use those. And the opportunity just sort of reared its head last week. I was, as I was presenting, I created a slide really just for effect. And I found a really unique video that was just a design kind of video to display for creativity. And it didn't even have any audio, but it was a video. And I wanted the effect to happen as soon as I changed my slide. So immediately when my slide changed, I had it to autoplay and it was right inside of a, of a little image of a TV. So it looked like the video was playing on the TV as soon as I turned the slide. Oh, that's so cool. So I had fun with it. I thought that was really neat. So I used that little autoplay feature. And then again, the muting the audio, sometimes you want to stop and, and walk through the steps yourself and you could actually narrate that live. I think that would be great if students have maybe taken video of a lab experiment or something like that, instead of necessarily having to record the audio, they could use that and present it live and talk about it as they move through the process. Because sometimes recording the audio during an actual experiment could be a little bit cumbersome. So there's lots of great reasons to do this. The other thing I noticed, Matt, and I don't know if you get this question a lot, but I'm often asked, okay, how do I put audio into my slide? Everybody's yes, excited yes, about the, the video, time. but everybody's like, well, are they going to give us audio next? Well, I haven't heard anything about getting audio. I hope so. But everybody kind of misses that from the shift from PowerPoint over to Google Slides, the ability to have just some little audio clips inserted. And really, the only way to do that is just to insert the link and to click on the link. Well, you can get a little more creative now. So you could actually create a video with that audio clip, just put a blank image in there. 
whether that's black or white square, you might even put some words on it if you want to explain it, then have it auto play. So that could be one workaround for when you switch slides to have some audio. And if you really wanted to get creative, guess what? You can also put an image on top of the video. So nobody knows that it's even video. You're just brilliant. You're just playing audio. So I'm actually working on a blog post to explain this. So if it's clear as mud as you're driving down the road, don't worry. We will give you directions in the show notes, which will be at googleteachertribe.com slash seven. And we will be able to show you how to do this. Again, this is a workaround. So this is sort of a Band-Aid idea. But because I get this question so often, I really want to help teachers understand a way that they can make it work. Another thing that um, I don't know, I hear a lot a question about narration. So not just the ability to add the audio, but to entirely narrate an, an entire presentation. Have you have you tried to do that, Matt, with Google Slides? I've I've seen a couple of of hacks and and workarounds and everything, but I'm curious <laughs> to see what you've got to say on this. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just uh, I saw a great post from Amy Mayer, Fry Technology. If you don't follow her, please follow Amy. She is awesome sauce, and she did a great video on narrating Google Slides using Screencastify. So she's actually taking a screencast of her published. Google Slides and just narrating over it's easy peasy. It's really a a no brainer. I was just kind of like, well, yeah, duh, that's how you can do it. So if you really need the full narration and you want to create a self-paced lesson, I've got Amy's great tutorial linked in our show notes. Um, So the tutorial she has on her YouTube channel. And I think that's another great way that we can use um, video in our in our classrooms. Now we've got some new ways to be able to put videos into our slides. And so that might beg the next question of, okay, what kind of videos can we put in there? And obviously there are lots of videos that are out there that are pre-made, but what if we want to make our own videos? And I know, kind of like what I was saying earlier, when when it comes to video in the classroom, it seems like my students have always been really interested in creating their own, if there are any ways to do that. And so... I thought maybe we could touch on just a couple of neat video creation ideas that you could use. And Casey, I'm glad that you brought up Screencastify. So if you go to screencastify.com, that's probably the easiest way to find it. This is a Google Chrome extension that you can use that will record video of what's on your screen. It'll also record video of what, what comes through your webcam if you want it to. And you can even have it record your microphone or shut your microphone off, whatever you choose. And so this this tool is so versatile and there's so much that you can do with it. And one really, really neat way that I've seen this used is to do what's basically almost like stop motion animation with Google Slides, since we were talking about Google Slides earlier. Um, so here's here's kind of the brief idea, and I'll give you a, a couple of examples in the show notes. But basically what you can do is you pull up a new Google Slides presentation, and I usually use the shapes. So you can use shapes, you know, like your rectangles and your triangles or smiley faces or hearts or whatever, and build some sort of scene. You can use lines, you can use text, you can use images, whatever it is that you want to build. And as soon as you're done, you just duplicate that slide. Usually the easiest way to do it is to go go look at your thumbnails over on the left side and then just right-click 
that first slide and hit duplicate. And it basically just makes a duplicate, like a carbon copy. I don't know. Can I use the term carbon copy anymore? <laughs> Are there even carbon copies of anything anymore? Well, we still use CC in our email, even though that's what it stands for. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. All right. So at least there's some semblance of that out there in the real world. So um, so once we've made that duplicate, all we do is we just take some whatever element on the screen that we want to move and we just nudge it a little bit in one direction. So if I want a certain little square, or a certain picture of a person or whatever to go up the screen, all I'll do is just move it up a little bit. And then I duplicate that slide again and I move it and duplicate and move it to the point that now each slide is progressively moving that that element up the screen and so what i love about this is that (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's right and that's the thing that i love about it is that it basically puts the power of animation into the hands of anybody even really young students are able to do this and so basically if you can conceive it in your brain in motion you can put it into motion here and so the the final twist to all of this is if you If you put your slides in presentation mode and then record your screen using Screencastify, you basically are able to make your own animated videos, which is kind of the big idea. And so I see this in... um, I've, I've seen neat examples of this with battlefields from historic battles showing how each side moved on each other. I've seen a really, really neat example of the sodium potassium pump that, that has to do with muscle contraction. So you've got science students that are diagramming this all out and showing how all the different parts interact. I can give you a link to, to what that looks like in the show notes also. So when it comes to creating these videos, that's one of my absolute, absolute favorite things to do is to have have students make their own animations using Google Slides. I love that. And you can really tap into creativity with that as well. And, you know, we we are still missing sort of that export as video option with Google Slides. And so as Matt mentioned, and as I mentioned, just with the narration piece, Screencastify or being able just to record a screencast video as you animate or you narrate or whatever you're doing can be the workaround for that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's an excellent way to make that happen. So I've also included a link to a blog post that I did back in 2015, but I think it still has some really interesting ideas on ways that we can use video to increase student ownership of learning. And, you know, we've been focused on the Google Slides features, but video, of course, can go far beyond that. And there's so many things that we can do with all of the various tools that we have at our disposal. And giving students an opportunity to create with video and to do some different projects in the classroom, I think is really a great way to increase that student ownership. So, you know, creating those videos for peer to peer instruction. I love this. I've seen lots of students who are creating tutorials for the other students in their classroom for younger grade levels. And I just think this is a really good way for students to demonstrate their learning. And it's something that can be used for teachers, for students and other grade levels as well. 
of course, the self-reflection piece I, I love. So using that like a screencastify type of tool, students can use that to reflect on their projects, their writing, whatever it is that they're working on in a digital format, they could record a screencast and reflect on the things that they did well, the things they want to work on, the goals that they still have for their learning. And there's just a lot of different things that I think we can do with video in the classroom. And Matt, I think you have another great blog posts with some ideas for video projects. Yes, yes, absolutely. And while you were talking about that whole idea of reflection, there are a couple of really neat apps out there that I think are doing doing some really cool things with that. I know I've seen some teachers do some really neat stuff with Flipgrid for letting students record their own little short reflection videos. And then you've also got the Swivel Recap app that lets students reflect on, on their learning too. And so, um, you know, pair those with Screencastify. And I mean, there's, there's all of these options. And then as far as students creating their own video projects, this is this is one that I've always been pretty excited about. And I have a link in the show notes, the show notes that goes to this uh, <laughs> video projects, the show notes, I went into an accent and didn't even plan on it. Yeah, we're leaving that in. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, if we didn't leave it in, it was going to go at the end of the show anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. I'm just so, glad it was you. <laughs> yeah, yep, there you go. And so... um on this page, wow, okay, let's get back to business here. On this page, I've got some online video tools that will help students create their own videos and then some ideas for how you can use screencast videos and even some other video projects. One of my favorite ones on there is creating what I call whiteboard animations. If you've ever seen those videos where you see somebody like furiously scribbling pictures and words onto a whiteboard, and it's because they've taken the video and they've sped it up, those are actually pretty easy to create. And so um, this is this is something that is on this page too. So that's all going to be available on the show notes, which you can find at googleteachertribe.com slash seven. And if you have some other ideas to share, leave us a comment, leave us a tweet, whatever it is, and share with the Google Teacher Tribe your ideas for using video in the classroom. So as always, Casey and I have some blog posts or articles, just some, some general, generally interesting things to share with you that you can go check out on the web. And the one that I wanted to share with you tonight doesn't come from my blog, and it's actually a, a post in the Washington Post's website. It's by Valerie Strauss. Uh, she's got this regular segment, segment called The Answer Sheet. And the title is, What Happened When One School Banned Homework and Asked Kids to Read and Play Instead? And this is a very sort of timely topic for me as um, uh, my a fellow educator, Alice Keeler, and I are working together on a book called Ditch That Homework. And so we've been digging into lots of homework-related topics and are starting to find a whole bunch of interesting anecdotes that, that are kind of like this one. And so here's basically what it is. You've got this this pre-K through five school in Vermont. And basically the, the teachers all met and the principal proposed that, that they stop giving homework in every grade and just ask students to read on their own at school or with a parent or a guardian or whatever. And so basically 
They're just asking them to do free reading at home, no traditional homework. And so what happened? It says six months into the experiment, they say that now kids have more time to be creative thinkers at home and to follow their passions. Students have not fallen back academically and may be doing better now. And th- this is the kind of stuff that they're they're talking about at this, this school that's got just about 400 students. And so, you know, this is this is one of those things that you know when whenever you give kids the opportunity to pursue their passions and to be able to kind of dig into what it is that they're they're interested in a lot of times there there's academic benefit from that too and so i'm always just fascinated to see what happens whenever whenever schools are brave enough to to try something big like this so that was that was one that i that definitely caught my eye this week Thanks for sharing that, Matt. I I am definitely going to dig deeper into that article. That's something I am very passionate about as well. I think sometimes we get so caught up in doing things because that's the way it's always been done. And we think, well, we had to do homework. Why don't our kids have to do homework? And, you know, looking at things differently and thinking how we can do things better and not just the same way. So I think that's really powerful article that you've shared. Yeah, I actually posted today at the time of this recording, a new blog post, and this is really a guide. And what I've been doing is I've been curating everything I can find to help teachers learn about Google Expeditions and Google Cardboard. And I am first and foremost going to tell you I am not an expert on either one of these things. I am actually pretty reluctant to call myself an expert on anything these days because there's just so much to learn. But what I can do is connect with other educators and bring these resources together and share them with our audience and with my blog readers. So what I have done here is I have pulled together blog posts, resources, apps, links, websites, the specifications that you need for devices, lesson plans, even the um, some presentations that I just saw at TCEA a few weeks ago, social media hashtags that are being used. And then, of course, there is a list of, of some of the other types of apps that you can use that are cardboard compatible. So it is a virtual reality post here, but with mostly a focus on using Google Cardboard and Google Expeditions. And I just think that this really flattens the walls of our classroom and allows us to take kids on on journeys and experiences that they never would have experienced through a textbook. So I, I just wanted to share that with you. And please leave me comments on this blog post and tell me what other resources are missing. I would love to continue to grow this for you. Yeah, and it's it's so fascinating to think about where virtual reality and augmented reality can go. And I've heard some of the predictions and some of the things that people think we'll be able to do with it. And it really is one of those technologies of the future that's that's starting to come to reality today. So, so if you want to check out that post or the Washington Post article that I talked about, you can always find those on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash seven. Well, in our mailbag today, we have what I think is a really good question, and it comes to us from Chelsea Henderson, or Ms. Hendo, as her students like to call her, from Earl High School in Earl, Arkansas. And here's what Chelsea asks. She says, our school recently went one-to-one with technology in the middle, the middle of the school year, and there was little training provided to teachers on how to use certain tools. Our teachers represent a vast array of technological abilities. 
And the few times the school has tried to give us professional development on technology, it's either been way too simplistic for the more advanced users, she says, think learning how to log into Gmail, or completely over some teachers' heads, think using add-ons and extensions for beginners. Overall, most teachers at her school end up leaving technology professional development, either feeling that it was a complete waste of time or more overwhelmed than ever. This sounds very, very familiar to me. I hear this all the time. So Chelsea's question is, do you know of any good Google trainings or resources for teachers that may be more differentiated or allow users to go at their own pace? Most of our teachers are excited about using new technology, and I don't want this enthusiasm to burn out due to frustration. Oh, Casey, this sounds so familiar, doesn't it? It does. This is something that I face almost every week, at least. In fact, I, I will be doing a training this week with a wide range of ability levels. So when you walk into my classroom, I don't necessarily know who you are before you walk in. I don't get test data. I have no idea what abilities you walk in with. And especially if we're doing Google training, I have no idea if you even know that you have a Google account, that's sometimes where we are with some of the beginners. They didn't even know they had a login versus the people who probably could stand up and do the training themselves. So how do we reach everyone in that training? And that is a struggle. And it's something I'm constantly working to improve upon. And I have a few different strategies. Of course, I am a firm believer in modeling the strategies that we want to see in the classroom. So in the show notes, I'm going to give you some of those strategies. One of those includes interactive learning menus and choice boards. And so that's something that I use as a strategy to differentiate during training. So like with your example, with add-ons and extensions, I will probably do like a general overview and some things that apply to kind of everyone, no matter what level they are at, but also give them time to explore things that are specific to what they teach and to take their skills even deeper. So it, it all depends. There's also a link in there too, and, and this is an older post, so that the content is a little out of date, but the idea itself is still very applicable. But doing something like a choose your own adventure where you know you can have three different levels within the same class. I'm guessing this is also part of the problem is that you're not offered different levels. And if you have enough trainers and enough rooms and time, you can offer the beginner class, the intermediate class and the advanced class. But most often what happens is you end up with everybody in the same room. And so trying to find those strategies that work are, are cumbersome. Of course, Matt and I both share our presentations and, and workshop materials and things like that on our websites all the time. I don't have a specific link to a training, but I feel like the, these ideas may help. And of course, feel free to reach out to myself or to Matt. Um, this is what we do. We, we provide trainings and workshops across the country, and we'd be more than happy to help or consult and help you figure out how to make this work. So Chelsea, I'm so sorry that that this is not going so well, especially when you get access. Um, and this this is all too common when it comes to going one-to-one that they invest in the technology and not in the professional development. And one cannot go without the other. So we really have to work hard to, to pair those together and to make sure that we're providing high-quality training for our teams teachers that meets their needs wherever they are. 
Yeah, and I'm so I'm so glad that you brought up the idea of the choose your own adventure. That's I mean that's a that's a really easy way for people to sort of decide on their own which way they want to go with their training. And you know even if you bring that into the classroom, doing choose your own adventure for learning purposes and even for story creation, and everything. Such a neat idea with Google Drive. So I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up. And there's another. Another little thing that I do during my training sometimes is if I have teachers do something a little bit more hands-on, then what I'll do is I'll offer what I call extra credit opportunities. And this is kind of like my sneaky way of differentiating in that I'll give them something hands-on that they can do. And then I'll say, if you want to earn extra credit, then you can add pictures or you could add links or you could go and try this instead and so that basically helps teachers sort of self-select what they what they want to do. So I think that definitely helps. And then the other thing that, that I love about this is that even if you don't get all of the training that you feel like you need at school, there are great resources online. And I know Google provides some of those. And do you agree, Casey? <laughs> yes. Thank you, Matt. I was just sitting here thinking about the Google Training Center. It's a great resource. They have training. The fundamentals training is for beginners, and obviously the advanced training is for the, the more advanced users. And those are also to work towards the certification of becoming Google Certified Educator Level 1 or Level 2. But they are a great resource. It's self-paced. There's videos. There's all kinds of information and support materials there. Now, if you have some very, very beginning users, even the fundamentals, they may not be quite ready for, but it also is just a great place to start. And they break down um, really the application of the tools. It's not so much with a focus on the how-to, but really like, what do I do with this? How can I use Google Hangouts in my classroom? And so it's a really good resource. And there are tons of, of other resources out there. I think the more I talk, the more links that I come up with, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it's supposed to work, though. Right. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Chelsea, for your question. And remember, if you've got a question that you'd like us to address on the show, feel free to head over to googleteachertribe.com where you can leave us a question and maybe we'll be able to answer yours on the next episode. Wow, Matt, we really covered a lot of territory in today's episode. I hope everyone is walking away with some new ideas on how to use video in their classroom and some just some new tips and tricks that you can add to your toolbox. Don't forget to join the Google Teacher Tribe and become a VIP. Go to googleteachertribe.com. Yes, we're looking forward to seeing you on this next episode. And I got to say, when the Chrome Squad kids come in, my favorite part, I think, is when they start to tell us what it is that they want their teachers to know about using technology in the classroom. So I think that wraps it up. So we will see you all on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you.
now we have silence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, <laughs> we, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. And now we have silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It just keeps getting more and more intelligent on this show with my little outtakes. <laughs> Got high society, high culture. I'm super excited about that, Matt. (laughs) Oh yeah, yep, that's right. I'm super excited too. Yay! Okay. Our school recently one to one. (laughs) One to one. Our school recently one to one. I'm starting that all the way over. See, Casey, it's not just you. Yes. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.